0: The uh, working title is "Who Needs a Makeover?" is the title of today's message. All right. The student title is "God Gives Us His Holy Spirit in Three Dimensions." You guys remember who this is? Transformation from the Wonder Years. Fred Savage, the star of the Wonder Years. That's what he looks like as an adult. <laughs> How about his sidekick? The nerdy kid there looks like a handsome corporate lawyer or something now, as an adult. Who remembers this guy? <laughs> looks like a sharp young man, doesn't he? Adult? Okay, we have, need to have some AAPI representation here. You guys rec- recognize BD Wong? BD Wong. He was in he played Dr. Henry Wu in Jurassic Park. Yeah, remember that. Transformation. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. This is the series we've been going over, is the Holy Spirit. Hope you've been enjoying some of that and maybe reading ahead in Acts, the book of Acts. Recall that we talked about Jesus ascending into heaven, claiming victory over heaven and earth. He commissions us, sitting on the throne, he commissions us, you and I, to go and therefore make disciples of all nations, teaching them, how do, how do we do this? Via the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is associated, as we learned last week, with creation itself, the breath of life. It's associated with baptism. He wants us to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved with our cleansing. We need to be not just baptized with water. John baptized uh, uh, believers with water. But soon, we are baptized with God's own Holy Spirit. That means not just Water, external cleansing for temporary, we're talking about our whole soul. So Holy Spirit is associated with new life and power and the power to renew. So this is uh, just kind of a summary of a few of the things that we'll talk about. The Holy Spirit is with us, he is in us, and he can come upon us. Studying the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you and my upgrading, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. (laughs) I guess we weren't a spirit-filled church at that time. I don't think we ever talked about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's with us at our physical birth, right, with our creation. Job said, the Holy Spirit formed me at my birth. He is with us at our spiritual birth, our second birth, when we come to faith in Christ, at our baptism as well. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And once that happens, he promises to be in us forever, in us a helper forever. And giving us the power to be. Power not necessarily to be anything you want to be. Power to be the man and woman that God and child of God, that God wants us to be. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be. So that's encouraging um, to know that we don't have to live the Christian life on our own. We are never alone, right? We have God's family certainly in front of us. But God gives us his own spirit to live the Christian life. It's not just a religion, but God's own power. And in Acts 1, at Pentecost, which means 50 days later, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, a special anointing of the Holy Spirit came. So the Holy Spirit can come upon us at times to empower us for what? to be amazing, (laughs) okay? It's different than Star Wars power, where you're just kind of tapping into this mysterious power. But God gives us his Holy Spirit for God's agenda that we can cooperate with. When God's agenda is at hand, and he chooses to use you and I for a particular time and place to be a witness, to utter a word of grace, to utter love, to utter compassion, to be God's hands, to be God's feet. God's Holy Spirit moves us to fulfill God's agenda, God's will. And this is part of God's agenda here, okay? This is part of it here in this passage. Jesus said, Unless I go away, the advocate or the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. And in red letter edition in my PowerPoint, uh, I believe this was part of God's agenda. When he comes, this is his agenda, what will he do when he comes? He will prove to the world, he will he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and of judgment. I believe that's one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit. I don't just believe it, I know it, because God himself, Jesus, <laughs> taught it right there, right? When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And about sin because people do not believe in me. Now let's look at this a little bit more. The Holy Spirit's agenda is to prove to us about our sin and righteousness and judgment. It's very much like that uh, classic children's tale, Pinocchio. You guys remember that? Uh, Remade a couple times. But Pinocchio wants to what? He wants to be a real boy, right? He wants to be... All that the creator, there's so many things in this uh, story, right? Uh, He wants to be all that his creator, Geppetto, made him to be, and he wants to become a real boy. But he gets tempted, right? What's the famous line from Jiminy Cricket? Always let your conscience be your guide, right? Always let your conscience be your guide. Now, devoid of religion, uh, that can work out sometimes and not so well other times, right? If you just look at human history, always let your conscience be your guide. Without submission, right, to God, the Holy Spirit, our conscience, basically, we become our own God or our our own standard or our own uh, moral standard. And we end up doing what is right in our own eyes. And there's that whole classic scene of them going off to Pleasure Island and being tempted to do crazy things and suffering the consequences from that. And then they end up growing donkey tails. (laughs) Consequences of their sin. Graphically illustrated in uh, Pinocchio. But I was thinking about this and... There are a couple of examples of the Holy Spirit convicting the world, us, about the true nature of righteousness and God's holiness, okay? So, you know, we could harp on, you know, how sinful we are and, you know, God save me. I am such, such a wretch as me. We could, we could talk about that. I think we've, we've certainly heard that many, many times from the pulpit. And sometimes beaten over the head with that um, and beating us into submission, to, <laughs> into humbleness. But I think equally we need to think about the holiness of God, all right? And I'm going to illustrate these points is when we understand God's holiness, we understand uh, Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. I think this was illustrated in Psalm 51. We covered this uh, a couple months ago, that in Psalm 51, after David was confronted with his sin, uh, with Bathsheba, murdering Uriah, cover-up, and all that, it's interesting, you, you read the Psalm of David over his grief. He doesn't ask God for forgiveness for murder <laughs> he doesn't ask god for forgiveness for adultery he doesn't ask god forgiveness for lying all right but he asked you know last when we kind of looked at that initially it's kind of a weird reaction we get from that that uh oh I, yeah we were we were talking about that in the context of the 12-step program as far as making amends and things like that so we don't really know what happened after uh uh Psalm 51 and David's contrition. But it's interesting, David says he has, it's, he has grief over his sin, not his sins, okay? He has grief over his sin nature and not just a few specific sins, right? Because at that time, if you fall short of God's glory... If you were unclean, if you did something against the Ten Commandments, you would, like the Roman Catholics, you can go to confession and do some things and get absolved of your sins. If you were marching around and living in the medieval times and the times of the Crusades, you can go on holy war and get what? Absolved of all your sins as well by doing certain other things. You could pay indulgences, which are buying these, uh, I don't know, certificates of (laughs) absolution. I think that's what they basically were. All religions have some type of rituals uh, that you can, I don't know, get rid of your sins, right, and be cleansed temporarily. But here... uh, King David in Psalm 51 says, I have been sinful from the time I was born. So he had this secondary grief as an adult. Sure, he, he remembers of the sins that he committed with Bathsheba, but then he's brought to this point of contrition over his sin nature. It's interesting, I kind of experienced something similar as an adult as well i remember there was a period of time um, that i came to know the lord in uh, junior high school went to church camp walked the aisle um, tried to be a good kid tried to be a good student and be on the right side of things not the bad side of things I remember even um, at one point in my Christian walk, I thought I was doing pretty good. I was serving on different boards in the church. I went to the Billy Graham Crusades uh, training session and learned how to be a counselor at the big crusade. I was taking the bold step of talking to my coworkers about the four spiritual laws of how to use that little tool. And people were coming to the Lord, um, you, God even using me. And I would say that was an example of God's Holy Spirit coming upon me, right? Because I look back and it's like, wow, I did that, <laughs> right? You, sometimes you think back of maybe you went on a mission uh, trip at some time in your life and you look back and go, wow, I did that? I did street evangelism? I did that in a third world country? I serve there. I live this way. God empowers you for his agenda. But I remember God, this grief came upon me, and uh, Psalm 51, David's grief over his sin nature, uh, really rang true. And I kind of had this view of kind of myself. And during that time, God was using me in different areas, and I knew I wasn't necessarily getting more sinful at the time but God's holiness kind of took this zoom out perspective almost like you step out at night and look at the heavens right uh, the i guess there was a new blue moon uh, recently once in a blue moon that 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 term there was a there was a there was a new blue moon and you get this perspective in fact uh, pastor Ken uh, I'm on his we talked we talk to each other on Facebook, he took a picture of this blue moon and in the background, it looked like his negative, like a dusty negative in the back. And I look closer and I go, they can't be stars. I mean, here's the boon in, the, in his picture and all throughout the, his picture, these little white specks that look like dust. I mean, just thousands and thousands, hundreds in the picture. And I go, wow, maybe that is, maybe there are stars. And I looked down into the comments and he said, oh yeah, in the background, those are all stars in back of the back of the moon. And you get this, wow, you know, we, we look at the moon, <laughs> this one thing, and maybe we could pick out whatever, the Big Dipper and things like that. But gosh, if you're camping and things are clear, uh, it, it is you get this sense of, wow, the heavens, how powerful and awesome God is. That's kind of the sense that I think David had when he was confronted with his sin, how moral God was and how such, there was such a big difference between our morality as humans and God's righteousness and holiness. So, Kathy mentions I was able to witness and share the gospel with my kindergarten mate um, who lives close by. And uh, I know at times when I shared with him in the flesh, (laughs) it's interesting. It'd be nice to know when you're in the spirit and when you're in the flesh, like i said last time, I knew acutely when I was saying the wrong things, (laughs) right? But, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I felt the prompting of the Spirit to blurt out, you know, hey, I would like to explain, you know, the basics of our faith, all whatever. How many thousands of pages is in here? I'd like to share this with you. Uh, in the simplest way I know how. And he said, okay. And I felt God's, you know, spirit, I don't know, wisdom, just cranking away in this little head of mine of boil it down so he could understand, right? As if a child would understand, right? Unless we come to the Lord as children, there's something in that. We can't make it so complicated. And so here Jesus in uh, John 15 says, If I had not come... Now, this verse rang really true for me, and it set down the foundation of... I had to explain the Old Testament to him, right? I had to explain the Gospels to him. (laughs) And, you know, I only wanted to give myself a short period of time. But this was part of it here, John 15. Um... If I had not come, Jesus said, and spoken to them, they would not be guilty, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that I have come, they have no excuse for their sin. To me, that was profound and uh, helped me explain the gospel to him. And I did it this way, and I'll share that with you, all right, without getting too theological. I said to my friend, and I'll share with you, the Old Testament is basically the creator sets a standard for morality. All right? When Moses stood in front of the burning bush, God said what? Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. So this is the point when God said, I am your God, and you're going to be my people. All right? God came out of the heavens and entered in creation and basically set a standard. He gave Moses what? The Ten Commandments. This is kind of basic morality. All right. I am holy. I am a, you are on holy ground. All right. And so the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament, lays out what? When you fall short, these are the rules and rituals that you need to cleanse yourself, to stay, uh, to continue communicating with me. So I basically said, uh, lots of religions do this, right? The Roman Catholic churches have sacraments, seven sacraments that you work on to stay in God's graces. Most of other religions have do's and don'ts, right, to be a good whatever, a good Buddhist, a good Muslim. Um, Buddhists uh, try to disassociate themselves from our corrupt self. New Age uh, uh, tries to be in your mind that you could become, self-actualize and become a god yourself, or just to be a good moral citizen, right? God's law is written in our hearts, even though the Old Testament story of God coming to the Jewish people God's law is written in our hearts. So this commonality of religion is common to everyone's experience. And so even though my friend was a non-religious person, he basically understood that. He knew right and wrong. And everyone tries to be on a decent person. So the New Testament, how do I get to New Testament? So I said, the Old Testament, God sets a standard and he gives... Basically, religion, how to relate to God in these religious acts. The New Testament comes along and says, Jesus, God Himself says, You see, I'm struggling explaining this. I'm feeling it. (laughs) Because it's complicated, right? We make it too complicated. But it's God who gives us the words. And he basically thought, okay, how can I make this simple? Jesus came and said, all the things in the Old Testament, you know what? Uh, nice try, but this is how you do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to show you. All right. So he basically uh, contrasted all the laws, everything written down, how to, become, how to be a good person. People tried in the Old Testament, and they failed. And Jesus basically came and said, look at me. I'm going to show you what I want you to live up to. Um, It's very much like uh, playing music. Um, I'm going to show you a clip, hopefully it works, of the Music Man, the musical. You guys remember that uh, musical, the uh, Marion. Oh, gosh, I forgot his name that played it. Um, In the Music Man, a fly-by-night... Uh, salesman comes into a small town in Iowa selling them band instruments uniforms, lessons and by the time he collects his money um, and he's guaranteeing them, guaranteeing them to create a marching band and by the time he <laughs> collects all the money and the uniform comes out he's on to the next town and they're lost with uh, all this investment so he teaches, that he doesn't know anything about music um, and he teaches them by the think method. <laughs> the think method. If you could just think about the music, you'll be able to play it. Okay? So it's kind of like wanting to play music. Um, you could study music. You could look at the notes. But nothing's going to come out just by in our own effort. So... This is kind of the parallel that I saw that the Holy Spirit convicts us in the world of sin in the Old Testament. And the second stage, God comes in the New Testament to show people what true righteousness is by example. The Old Testament was like, how to, the Old Testament was like, this is how you must live. But people were left to their own devices to try in their own effort. In the New Testament, God came along, God Emmanuel, God with us, and showed us how to live righteously, and through his conquering of life, sin, and the grave, via the communion with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, empowers us now to live this way, or like uh, playing a musical instrument, so let 's get to this a little closer in the music man in this end singing, kind of funny he uh, has preached all this time about the think method. if you just think about the minuet in d you 'll be able to play it and that kind of, is kind of like parallel to the Old Testament okay if you study these are all the laws you could study about God's standard, all you want. But in our own effort, we're going to fall short. And you'll see grace applied, because only a parent can love the noise coming out of their child's violin, (laughs) or flute, or piano. And then you'll see some transformation. Transformation is like God empowering us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Through life lessons, through trials, through study and practice, God gives us all the tools we need to live the life in the Spirit, to live like God really wants us to be. Or in this illustration, to play music. All right, you guys ready? How many of you guys remember The Music Man? A couple of you? In the credits of, I think it's 76 trombones. 76 trombones, but I, it always busts me up every time I watch this scene. That's my Barney! With <laughs> this noise coming out of the trombone. Only the love of a parent, right, could love what's coming out of the noise coming out of these instruments. Um, it describes so much of the Old Testament, the New Testament, God set a standard in our own effort. We're not able to play music. We're not able to live life in the spirit. But since Jesus came and showed us by example, I'm going to show you how to play music. I'm going to show you how to be the man and women I want you to become. Jesus came and claimed victory over heaven and earth that we learned. And he commissions us to live like disciples of God, little Christs. He even says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to give you my own Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is associated with creation, the breath of life, baptism, cleansing. How many of us need cleansing? How many of us need some type of renewal? How many of us need the power to be bold, God's spirit? John baptized us with water, religion, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, showing us that we fall short. We do religious acts, but all our religious acts are useless. But God, is gonna, God wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That means our whole soul, our whole being. That's why we baptize in full immersion. We put to death, we participate with Christ, putting to death our old nature. And we participate in what? His resurrection, his power of his resurrection and his power. So as we uh, transition into our communion service, we're reminded of these things. So communion communion with God with Jesus the holy spirit teaches us reminds us about the simple gospel about the old testament is that on our own, on our own effort we fall short our own morality falls short of god's standards and what is god's standards the whole celebration of christmas the whole life and ministry of Jesus in the, in the Gospels. That's the standard. Where we lay down our life for one another. Where we love our enemies. Where we're able to do that. Jesus wants us to participate in his life. And how he says that is to obey him. And what are we to do? What are we to obey? John tells us what? If we love one another and obey his commandments. This is how we participate in Jesus's life. And his death and his victory over sin, he's going to empower us and give us banned lessons, a lifetime <laughs> worth of banned lessons to be able to live that spirit-filled life by submitting to God's Holy Spirit. So I'd encourage you to think about if you haven't already been baptized, that is following Jesus and the Holy Spirit, because that's what he commanded us to do, to go there, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And baptizing them by full immersion is one way that we experience that. And we do that because that's what Uh, Jesus commanded us to do. That's what they did in early Acts of the Apostles and the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus reminds us on the night that he was uh, betrayed. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat and as often as you uh, commune with each other, and we do here once a month, do this in remembrance of me partake of that together. So as we take communion, let this once a month communion not just be our communion with God. God wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That is our soul, our whole soul, by submitting to the Holy Spirit, by submitting through teaching, by submitting through serving. Jesus said, "This is my blood that is spilt, spent for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me." Let's pray together. God, we thank you for um, your Holy Spirit, who, uh, whose one of His purposes is to remind us all the things that Jesus taught. God, we pray that we, as we submit to you, uh, that you would continue to renew our minds and renew our hearts, God, that our wills and our agendas, we would become more aligned with your will and your agenda. God, you tell us we lack wisdom and we lack the Holy Spirit because we don't ask for it. You tell us how much more even sinful men and women give good gifts to their own offspring god as we as sons and daughters you want to give us good gifts how much more so you say will you give your holy spirit to us that is your own spirit to empower us god to live and become and to grow to be transformed into the men and women you want us to be so god we thank you And we uh, ask in your holy name, your spirit, and all God's people said, amen.